All right, I've got the wrong glasses on tonight, so it's I have a hard time seeing any other time. It's going to be worse tonight, for sure. I have work glasses, and I have my regular glasses, and then I have my computer glasses, so there's three pairs of glasses. And a lot of times I'll jump up and run across the house with my computer glasses, and then I'm, it about makes me sick time I get to the bedroom door. And then, but anyways... Let's go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. We'll start there, and I've got a lot of scriptures I want to read tonight, but but that's where we're going to launch off from. Last week we talked about what the devil's main goal is. One of his main goals is to, and it's that way with any kind of warfare, the first thing you want to do is be able to stop the enemy from being able to fight back. From being able to resist you. And so that was an important matter. I hope you listen. I hope you'll remember that. There's another issue though. That, and another thing that he does. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven. Now has come salvation and strength. And the kingdom of our God. Ain't you, ain't, ain't you looking forward to hearing that announcement? Yes. And the power of his Christ. And then it's followed by this. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Which accused them before our God day and night. Do you realize that's going on? That you're being accused before God. That's what it says, isn't it? The devil, he's the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us before God day and night. Satan is constantly charging the children of God with blame, wrong, and offenses. He's not only accusing them, us, before God, but he's accusing us before one another. Get it? Y'all got that? He doesn't just accuse me before God. He doesn't just say, now God, you see what he's done? He's a... He goes to one, to everybody else and says, see what he's done? You don't believe that, do you? You don't believe he's what he says he is. You don't believe he's really real, do you? He's always accusing us to one another also about things we haven't even done. Things we aren't even, that we aren't. Uh, getting out one another to believe things about one another that are just flat not true. He's constantly doing that. He's not only accusing them before God, but also before one another. Now to accuse is to blame or charge with a wrong or an offense. Listen to me. In the privacy of your own mind or to verbalize it to others with your mouth. Same thing. Accuse. Alright? In your mind. Now where's the battle at? The spiritual battle. It's in our mind. So who is that in your mind influencing you to think evil of your brother, your neighbor, your sister? It's Satan. Yes, sir. Recognize it. That's what we've harped about through this whole thing is no who it is. Identify the enemy or you're cooked before you ever start. You're defeated in the war before you ever get off the ground if you don't know who it is is fighting against you. Now, Job was accused. Remember that? Joseph was accused. Remember that? Daniel was accused. Bible says. The Jews were accused when they went back to build the wall and build the temple. They were accused, accused by the people of the land of being something they weren't, of doing something they weren't doing, of having motives they didn't have. There's always this going on among everybody. Everybody's thinking evil of everybody else. And guess who's doing it? They, uh, the prophets were all accused. 
David was accused. That's why he had to run from Saul all those years because Saul accused him of evil and he, there was, it wasn't true. The prophets were all accused. Mary and Joseph were accused. Do you realize that? <laughs> you realize what people thought? You realize what people said? Even after Jesus was in his ministry and grown, they said to him one time, they said, we be not born of fornication like you. That's what they meant. They were still accusing. Was it true? No! <laughs> Jesus was accused. And you'd be amazed. You get your Bible and start looking at how many times that it says they sought for something to accuse Jesus of. I mean, boy, they had to look hard. They had to try hard. And they couldn't accuse him justly of anything, so they had to hire false witnesses and make up lies. And most accusations are lies. Uh, Paul was accused. Read that too. The Bible says he was. And many more. We just go on and on. You ever been accused? I mean, that you know of. Where somebody flat just with their mouth accused you of something that wasn't true. It's one thing to be accused when you're guilty. It's another thing to be accused when you're not. Exactly. Jesus said to rejoice and be exceedingly glad when they do that to you. <laughs> when they speak evil of you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. They were all these that I just named and now ever many more were accused falsely because the devil is a liar and he's the accuser. Remember that when you're accusing somebody in your mind. Remember that. Who's the accuser? Does God accuse? No. Jesus said different times. He said it. Uh, God said it. I'll not accuse you. He said to those Pharisees in John chapter 5, I don't accuse you. I will not accuse you. You're doing it yourself. He's not going to do that. They were all accused falsely. The devil's a liar. And one of his main lies is to make people think evil of one another. Now y'all need to realize that. If you don't get nothing else, if you leave me here, you better remember that. It's the devil that makes you think evil of other people. It's not the Holy Spirit of God. It's not God. It's not your high intellect and, and great experience and superior knowledge. It's the devil in you making you do that. Influencing you to do that. Nothing is more offensive than to be accused falsely. And nothing hurts more than to be accused falsely by someone you thought loved you and cared about you and was on your side. You ever had that experience? <laughs> oh, I have. Mm -hmm. Our keenness in spotting fault in other people is a measure of our spiritual growth. But it's just the opposite of what most people think. The more keen that you are in spotting faults in others, is it, it's a clear indication that you are more spiritually immature. And that's fact. It proves your immaturity, your inferiority in spiritual matters if you're keen on finding fault with other people. Y'all hear me? Yes, sir. I mean that. That's fact. Now that's the way it is. And I'm going to hammer in the rest of this, rest of the evening here. Y'all got lots of time? Now, our duty as a Christian is not to be constantly policing one another looking for faults. Show me that in the Bible. No, the more, the, our duty as a Christian is made very clear in the Bible. Now, in John chapter 13 and verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you. Well, does anybody want to finish that for me? A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you. Don't miss that. As I have loved you that ye also love one another. He repeated that we love one another but how? Like he loved us. 
Not like humans, like Jesus. John 15, verse 12, This is my commandment, Jesus said, that ye love one another as I have loved you. You see anything in there about watch each other now, make sure everybody is perfect now. Watch, make sure that, that you're able to point out and see everything's wrong with everybody else. This is a real good message, isn't it? I mean, it's really, I mean, it's the shout-out message, ain't it? No, because it stings all of us, don't it? Don't it? It's going to sting worse before we get done. John 15 and verse 17, These things I command you, that ye love one another. Now, what is, what is our duty as a Christian? First and foremost, number one, love one another. And I've got a lot more verses to hammer that in. First Peter chapter 1 verse 22. Seeing ye have puffed up, puffed up. No, there's another verse I'm going to read that says puffed up. That's the one I'm thinking of. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now that's First Peter. First John three eleven. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning. You know what it says? That ye should love one another. The measure of how much we are like Christ is precisely in how much we love one another. Get it? Did you hear that? The measure of how much we are like Christ is how much we love one another. That's how. That's the mark of how much we're like Christ. Not if you put a wheel on a cross and towed it halfway across the country. That didn't make you like Christ. Doesn't make you like Christ just because you you go to church and just because you play the game and all of that. What makes us like Christ is when we love one another. Really love one another. Not with just with lips saying it, but in deed and in truth. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that ye have love one to another. John 13, 35. John 13, John 15, I've been reading these verses, First John, First Peter, they all give us that clear indication of what our duty as a Christian is and how, what identifies us as a Christian. What identifies us as a disciple of Christ is not how keen we are in finding fault in other people. Everybody needs to hear this over and over and over. It's all I've heard all my Christian life. I've been around people all my life. I've been guilty of it just as well, of just criticizing and, and spotting the problems that everybody has. It's wrong. Every critic supposes he has superior knowledge, and therefore is not only justified... But he's qualified and duty-bound to search for what's wrong with everybody else. First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Now, I'm going to skip the first part of the verse. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Knowledge puffeth up. Makes you proud. Makes you think you're something. Makes you think you're just a little bit above everybody else. James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. <laughs> well, I, I just wonder how many have violated that since Sunday. <laughs> you want to raise your hand? No, no, ain't nobody going to raise their hand. I guarantee you it's more than we think. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's, so, stop this right there. When, when Peter, uh, when, when Jesus told Peter what he was to do. Then Peter looked at John and said, but what about this man? What did Jesus say? What is that to thee? Thou, uh, follow thou me. 
You just keep your eye on me and you follow me and do what I tell you to do. Don't worry about him. One more thing. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Now we fail in this matter of charity, which is the beginning. And, and wait a minute. Let me just insert this right here. You know, this judge not and all of this, I know this. that's the modern verse and it's to keep people from uh, saying anything about their sin. This is speaking of condemnation. You know, having contempt for people because of the offense of their sin or whatever it is. Do you see the difference? It's the attitude of your heart. It's not judging somebody to say, that's wrong what you're doing. And people don't do that anyway. They just go to somebody else and say, you see that? He's, what he's doing is wrong. They won't go to the person and say, brother, that's, you're making a mistake. That's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. That's what we're supposed to do, Right? If you if you got something problem with a brother, go to him first. And he says, You mind your own business, then take somebody else with you and go to him. Both of you tell him. Then if he won't listen, you bring him for the church. Wonder what these no church goers do with that. You know, they're quick to point out all these verses, but they don't go to church, so how are they gonna fix anything? How are they gonna obey the Bible when they don't believe in church and you're supposed to take them before the church? But there's the there's this attitude of just being critical and 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 slandering and backbiting. That's what that is. And those are all very bad things in the Bible. I mean, they're called out as bad things and linked to all these other terrible sins like murder and drunkenness and sodomites and everything. Backbiting and it's all in the same list. Disobedient to parents and all it's all in that same list. The tongue is a is a it's a fire set on fire of hell. It's a world of iniquity. How? When it's doing that there, exactly that there. That's what the damage, that's where the tongue, that's the evil of the tongue, is this right here. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, we fail in this matter of charity, which is the beginning and the end of the commandments of God. Just listen to this. First John chapter 3, verse 11. I've already read this verse one time. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. From the beginning. This is what God has told us from the beginning. It's what Jesus told us from the beginning of His ministry here. Second John 5. And now I beseech thee, lady... Not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which but that which we had from the beginning that we love one another. It was the beginning. This is the beginning of the commandment that you love one another. I'm stressing it. Second John chapter six, and this is the love, and this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. <laughs> walk in what? Love! And then in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. There it is. It's the beginning. It's the end. That we're supposed to love one another. Now... You can bring all the rest that you want to bring in and talk about all the other things of morality and what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do and you can get hung up anywhere you want to and all of that, but it doesn't matter where you go. This is the beginning of it and this is the end of it. Everything else is sandwiched in between this. We're to love one another. Love one another. Not hate one another. Not slander one another. The greatest commandment is that we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is that we love our neighbors ourselves. Now Jesus said upon those two commandments hang all the law and the commandments. I mean all of it depends on that right there. Sum the whole law of God up in those two sentences or phrases. The Now 
The Bible's very clear on what identifies a person as a child of God. I've already kind of went over this, but we're going to go over it some more. What is it that identifies us as a child of God? Now, we can say whatever we want to say, but the Bible is very plain about it and tells us exactly what identifies us as a child of God. Can you guess what it is? We love one another. First John 3.10 And in this, in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. What's, uh, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. We look around and see, we see somebody that's not acting like a Christian because they're doing certain things that you shouldn't do. But then we'll, somebody else who don't do those things but is a hateful, backbiting gossip, we'd, we'd take them in as brother so-and-so, you know, put him in a high place. God don't do that. God, you know, when it comes to the judgment, it's going to be who loves one another. Love not your brother, you're abiding in that. Well, let me just read it here. First John three fourteen. We know that we have passed from death unto life because... We love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Well, I love, it's just that I just don't love some people. Oh, yeah? I love my dog. I love my sister. I love my mama. But that guy there, I can't stand him. He that loveth not do you think that just means universal, everybody? If there's any exception, you're off the hook. He that loveth not, well, I do love some people. No, that's not it. How many people does Jesus love? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Calvinists will tell you He just loved the elect. The rest of me don't. Not that kind of love. Mm-mm. We can't have that kind of love either. And the kind of love that is that the, every one of these verses that I've read, the, the kind of love it's talking about, I looked it up, and it's talking about the love of God. The kind of love that God loves this world with. The kind of love that He had so that He did can't come and give His life a ransom for us. That kind of love. That's the kind of love we're supposed to have for one another. I mean, we ought to lay down our life for one another. I, I've got that here somewhere. In a verse that I'm going to read, but First John chapter four verse twenty: If a man say, "I love God and hateth his brother," he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Now, if we love someone, it shows in the way we think of them, and also in the way we talk about them to others. Don't you believe that's right? Yes. If you if you had somebody that said they loved you and then you found out they was just talking trash on you to somebody else, you wouldn't really believe they loved you, would you? Who would? What kind of a person would believe that somebody loves them when they don't act like it and they don't talk like it? What kind of love is that? Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You don't have to go there if you don't want to, but that's where I'm going to go, and I'm going to read what charity is. And we all know it. We've memorized it, but where in, why in the world can't we practice it? How can we read this and memorize it and study it and learn it over and over for years and years, and then it still finds no place in our life and in our tongue? Charity in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Anybody reading with me? What does those next three words say? Thinketh no evil. Didn't say speaketh no evil. It says thinketh no evil. Well, just lay that ruler up beside of yourself and see how you measure up right there. Thinketh no evil. 
Where, what's the context? What's it talking about? Toward other people. Right. Thinking no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Y'all know what gossip is like, don't you? And you know what gossips are like, don't you? Yep. Do they gossip about good stuff? <laughs> I mean, are they burning the phone up when somebody does something good or gets a blessing? No. Are they dying to tell somebody? No. What is it they rejoice in? Telling evil. Yes, iniquity. They rejoice in iniquity. And they can't wait to tell it. It's what in somebody else's iniquity, see? That's not charity, then, is it? Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Alright. Charity suffereth long. That means it puts up with a lot without losing patience, without giving up, without striking out, or slandering them to others. Now that's charity. Do you have it or not? Do you practice it or not? Is it part of you or not? Charity doesn't do that. Charity suffers long. Just puts up with it. Just puts up with it. Charity is kind, just like God the Father and Jesus Christ His Son. Not just to those who please you, but to those who do not. Charity is kind. There's never, never any reason, any excuse, any justification for a Christian to be unkind to anybody. No matter how evil they are, no matter how obnoxious they are, and I've known a lot of people who profess to be Christians through the years and they just live to get a chance to tell somebody off, put them in their place. Yes, sir. I told them what I thought. Told them where they is going. Yes, sir. That's what God put you here for, wasn't it? Just to police everybody and make sure everybody got what's coming to them and it came from your mouth. No, I don't believe that. Charity's kind. Luke chapter 6 verse 35, Jesus said, But love your enemies and do good. And lend, hoping for nothing again. How many of you have learned so far in life that when you lend something, you many times don't ever get it back? Have you learned when you lend it, you might just give it. You just count it as gone. Bye-bye. Remember the day I bought you, but goodbye. I'll never see you anymore. I mean, have you learned to just live with that? Yep. <laughs> I mean, I can get hung up in a lot of these places, but I'm going to, I'm trying not to. Charity is kind. Love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Now that's, why is he that way? Because God is love. That's why. God loves. He's not stingy. He's not clingy. He's not envious. He's none of that stuff. He's love. And love gives. And gives. Hoping for nothing in return. I mean, not expected, not conditioned on your response. When the angels, if you're lost here tonight and we get to the great white throne judgment and the angels of God throw you off into the bottomless pit, it ain't going to be no pleasure for God. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That ought to be pretty obvious. Anybody that's got any kind of reason or sense about them. God's done everything possible and even past what men think is possible for men, men to be saved. He's been kind and loving and patient and long-suffering beyond what we can even imagine with every one of us in here. Not just all them people out there. Us in here tonight. 
And imagine the long suffering that we have benefited from God. Charity vaunteth not itself. <clears throat> when we speak evil of others, it's necessarily vaunting ourselves, lifting ourselves up. Isn't it? Yes, sir. Yes, it is. Charity is not puffed up, but a critic always feels better when he's the one, or better than the one he is accusing. Mm -hmm. The devil is the accuser. Think of it. Charity thinketh no evil. That doesn't just accuse people of evil in their mind or with their but with or with their tongue. You know, thinketh no evil. As long as we know somebody and they don't say anything bad, we think, boy, they're pretty good. But what are they thinking? <laughs> Some people are just a lot better at keeping their mouth shut than other people, but they're still thinking it in there. This is beyond that, see? It reaches beyond just guidelines and rules for living the Christian life, you know. <laughs> Thinketh no evil. Have you achieved that yet? You got to that place yet? Where you just don't think evil of other people? It's confusing to you, isn't it? Because you're thinking, well, what are we supposed to do when they're just doing that right there? And you're just... That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about obvious sin and transgression against God and rebellion against God. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the devil is the accuser and he is a liar. And he's always accusing us of things we don't do, didn't do, don't say, don't believe, are not. He's telling everybody else we are. <laughs> and at the same time, he's telling us that about everybody else. And we're listening. And all of these little helpers are around working everybody else, saying, I'll tell you what, I'll just tell them right now. I'll just Charity thinketh no evil. It's not, it's not charity. You have no charity when you're thinking evil that way. It amazes me how people will strain at a net and swallow a camel in this matter. It's amazing how they can overlook all the obvious things in their own life that are visible to everybody else, but they can just pick, pick, pick at somebody else. Over-imagined things most of the time. The dirty devil. I just wish you would resist him. I wish you'd learn to recognize him and fight him and resist him. Charity rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Always puts the best light possible on how others act or what they say and gives the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. God has worked that in my soul. Now, He really has. You know, it's not just my temperament. It's not just my constitution or the influence on my life from good people, God has worked that into me. The Spirit of God condemns me when I, if I do that. Yes, sir. If I just start thinking evil of somebody and picking and just first thing you know, I'm just culling them out. You know, just like culling a, a lame sheep or something out of the hood, just cart cull them out. No good. No good. False. If I get to thinking like that, I've been around it so much. I mean, I've seen other people do it so much and not even try to hide it. They're just... I mean, everybody's a devil. Everybody's just no count. And they don't nobody do right. Nobody believes. Nobody wants... That's attitude. Now, where are you going to get with that? And the people looking on, this is a church? Yes, for sure. This is how they feel about each other? Churches have that name, especially Baptist churches. I mean, you want to get in a good fight? Go to a Baptist church. I remember uh, where they got in an absolute knockdown, drag out, fist fight in the Baptist church. Yeah, and the deacon knocked somebody out. I mean, hit him with his fist. Bam! <laughs> I've been in some business meetings. You know, I remember right. I mean, I hadn't been saved two months and I had a business meeting and, and I mean, a big knockdown, drag-out, blow-out fight. This woman, you know, up in the front of... The, she was in the back of the church. Her husband sat up in the front. 
And she was back there running her mouth, a business meeting, you know. Finally, he was usually a weasel and wouldn't say nothing. But somehow he summoned up the courage. To, he stood up and turned around and said, Clara, shut your mouth. And, you know. <laughs> Mercy. It is not, that is so far from what it's supposed to be. For sure. Church. Disciples of Christ. The, the people that are supposed to be the light of the world. We're here, the ambassadors of Christ. The people who represent God. And, and a lot of them will go out and just badmouth their own church members to the lost people in the community or their family that's lost. What a disgrace. That's why that we're looking at this tonight. I'm just, you know, it just ain't supposed to be that way. In other words, you always try to think well of others instead of evil. Did anybody's grandma ever teach them that? You know, if you don't have anything good to say, don't, don't say anything. Oh, my said that. Amen. Good grandma. Just, you know, I wonder where she got it. <laughs> what is the good in thinking evil of other people? Hmm? No, it's, it's poison. It's death in the pot. Every church I've ever known that has died or is dying right now, that's the poison that killed them. Every time. Every church split I've known in my life, that's exactly the root cause of it all. Now, charity hopeth all things. Charity, in reality, practice in your life, holds on to hope for those who are not what they should be. Now, does everybody understand here tonight that everybody in here is not arrived yet at what they're going to be, what they ought to be? I mean, does everybody here realize that this is an ongoing progressive work here? And me, you, you, everybody. We not got there yet. That's why we're here. We're here to be edified, to help, be fed, to fellowship and be strengthened from one another. We're not here to just, just sort us all out and call out the bad ones. That's not what this is about. Hope. You, do you look at all people with hope? You ever look at these children? You, man, I've lived long enough now till I've seen so many little children in church grow up and gone. I know where there's a lot of them that I've watched. They're in a graveyard now. You know, I've seen what happens. Do you, do you have hope for somebody? Do you pray for somebody? Do you wish well for somebody? Do you have hopes for them? Or you just wish they'd just go away? Because you don't like them. Because they don't offend you. Because something else. I don't know how you can claim to be a Christian if that's the attitude of your heart. Charity endureth all things. That means puts it up with all the imperfections, all the abuses, all the trespasses of others without opposition or being offended. Seth talked in Sunday school here two or three weeks ago about forgiveness. <clears throat> that ain't even a part of most people's thoughts anymore or understanding. That's not even a thing that factors in. What, what is forbearance? <laughs> well, it means that, that I know that you're going to do things that I ain't going to like. Or you're going to do things that God ain't going to like. There's going to be offenses. It is impossible. But offenses may come. Will come. <laughs> And I just put up with it anyway. I know it's coming. I expect that to be that way. And, and I'm not just sitting here waiting until you do it so I can say, out! Out of my life! I'm done with you! I've got no use for you. Uh, that's not... 
No, I just realized that it's going to happen there. We've been married 45 years almost. Well, you think she ain't never offended me? <clears throat> you think I ain't never offended her? Well, what if the first three or four times that happened, we just said, I'm out of this. I ain't going to put up with this. Well, you can't because you got married. Well, don't seem to stop anybody else. But we made a vow. It's a, this is a covenant. Isn't that what the church is? It is. Isn't that what salvation is? Yeah. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you were supposed to vow the same thing to Him. Yes, sir. It's true. So that means that we are covenant together. We're covenanted together to, to, to work, do the work of God together and to live together according to what we believe about right and wrong and about what the Word of God says. So that means that just like a family, a husband and wife, Every once in a while, they may get a little crossways. Every once in a while, they may just get... You heard about the old woman, and the old man sat on the porch, and she said, I'm proud of you, and he said, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that, see? He didn't hear what she said. Reckon she said, that's it. I want a divorce. Ain't putting up with this. But people do that in church. People come to church looking for a reason to leave that church. Tell me, you know, I've watched it for years and years. We've had, we've had no telling how many people, scores of people come to church since we started this church. That's that's come once or twice and that's it. That's enough. They heard what, they found what they, they knew this was something wrong here. <laughs> well, it wasn't all candy and cotton candy and and chewing gum. Alright. Many never understand what love is. And therefore, never make any progress in this part of the warfare. We're to love everyone with the same kind of love that God has for us and for the world. Now the love of God is different than natural human love. I hope you understand that. We just use one word, love. And that covers everything. I love spaghetti. I love candy. I love ice cream. I love pizza. And I love my wife. Use the same word. You know, I love God. Same word. There's, a, there's something lost in all that. Our language has been cheapened down. Degenerate like everything else. We're to love every woman the same kind of love that God has for us and for the world. The love of God is different. Human love is primarily emotion. And it's therefore a selfish love. There's selfishness involved in it. We love God because He first loved us. And we, we love somebody expecting them to love us back. And if they don't, then it's over. First John 4, 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. It's a part of the nature of God. Human love usually requires reciprocation, but the love of God does not. He loved us. I mean, when we were yet sinners. God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, He loved me whenever I was far, far from Him and didn't know Him, didn't want Him, wasn't seeking for him, was doing everything against him that I could. And he loved me. All right, now here's the question for us tonight. Do we love that way? Or do we just love the people who please us, are pleasing to us? Huh? Guilty! I'm afraid we're guilty. We just, we just, we, we, we love people like we pick our friends. You know, that's the way our love is. If you're ugly in appearance or if you're ugly in your personality, we just don't like you. Don't like you. 
Wait till I get to the end here. Uh, we should search our hearts and judge whether we have the love of God or simply human love. Luke chapter 6, verse 31 through 36, And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. How many of you does it hurt you when somebody doesn't like you or doesn't love you? Huh? Kind of hurts, no? Yes, sir. Well, then you shouldn't do that to somebody else because you know it hurts you. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? I've said it to you many times, but if you look at that word, that word means it's the same word as grace. What grace have you? I mean, what have you got to do? What's the grace of God have to do with you? If you just love them that love you. For sinners also love those that love them. Do you know it's that way? That's the way sinners are. If you love me, I'll love you. You like me? I like you. Then that's not all. He said, uh, and if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. No difference between you and the sinners. If you act like that, if you think and live and work and do like that, you're supposed to be a child of God. You're supposed to be living in the grace of God, which is God's influence on your heart and life. And it ought to make you different. You ought to love everybody. Not just the ones that do good to you. Not just the ones that love you. Sinners do the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful." When I read these verses twice, that means <laughs> you need to remember them. Jesus, because, just because somebody is not pleasing to us is not a reason to not love them and treat them like we love them. Jesus told those Pharisees in John chapter 5, you know, he was sparring with them and it got pretty hot there and he told them, he said this in John chapter 5 verse 42, he said, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. And that is a pretty hard punch. These are the Pharisees, the religious rulers, those who sat in Moses' seat, the ones who were the religious authorities. They surely love their children and others, don't you think? Sure. But not with the love of God. They had the kind of love he just described there. They just loved those who loved them. They did good to those who did good to them. They lent to those who they, who they knew would pay them back. Are you like a bank? Got to have collateral? <laughs> I mean, do you lend hoping to get, get it back with interest? Do you lend to just those who you know will pay you back? <laughs> Well, everybody thinks that's a wise thing to do. Well, for a bank, but we ain't a bank. We're a child of God. Supposed to be. And we don't operate in the same way. We, we love one another in spite of every accusation the devil puts through our mind. Somebody came to you and said, do you know what your kid's doing? And they're doing something awful thing. Do you immediately turn on your kid and say, you rotten kid. Do you believe everything that everybody says about your kid? The devil is the accuser of the brethren. Well, if somebody says something, you better check it out. Yeah. Give you that advice. You better not side the little darlings so much because they'll lie to you too. Yes, they will. I've had parents that say that, you know, just blah, my child wouldn't lie to me. <laughs> oh my goodness, such, and just make such a fool, utter fool of themselves in front of everybody. Even a child is known by his doings. Everybody else knows. 
<laughs> As I went to Christian school over there, they could have pictures and evidence and witnesses and everything. And, and uh-uh, you're all lying. My kid wouldn't do that. Uh, that's, that's a fact. That's how it is. But I never did, you know, I, if somebody told me something, I said, okay, well, I'll check it out. I didn't just say, well, let's go get him. We'll just tire and feather him. We'll string him up right here if that's what he did. I, I ain't believing everything everybody says about anybody. You hear me? I don't believe anything anybody tells me about somebody else. I've got to that point a long time ago. I ain't taking somebody's word on some evil that they're spreading about anybody because I've found out it's the devil that's doing it. Yes, <laughs> and I ain't taking his hook. We love one another in spite of every accusation the devil puts through our mind. We need to recognize the devil in this matter just the same as we need to recognize him in the other matters that we've talked about. You know, I've told you about and we've talked about how that when you hear that little voice in your mind debating about some moral issue that you know's wrong and, and but you're debating whether it's really wrong or not. I mean, if that's wrong, what about this then? You know, when you hear that, that's a devil talking to you. Yep. And when you hear this in your mind about so-and-so, just, you know, if you really need them, I mean, did you know what they did? You know what they said? You know what they believe? You know what they do? It's the devil yes. talking to you. It's not some wise, mature Christian that's helping you. It's the devil. Recognize it. He's the accuser of the brethren. And so when you hear that voice in your mind accusing and speaking evil of one of your brothers or sisters in Christ, you need to realize where those thoughts are coming from. You'll never be sorry for loving somebody and forbearing and enduring and being long-suffering and forgiving and benevolent and putting the best face on it and not believing evil about them. You'll never be sorry for that even if it turns out they are that. You'll never be sorry that you was the last one to jump aboard to crucify him. Think about that. It ain't going to cost you nothing. He's the accuser of the brethren. And we also need to remember what his goal and motive is in speaking those things to our mind. What is he up to? Well, he intends to sow discord and to cause division. Yes. The motto of an aggressor and a warmonger is divide and conquer. That's exactly what it is. That's why our country's doomed because we're so divided. We couldn't be unified. I've told you this for two or three years now. Give up. You might as well give up on any hope of this country ever fighting and winning a war or anything. We can't get 12 people in a church house to agree on anything. How are we going to get a nation to bond together? That's true. The devil's done it. He's done a thorough work. So many critics and so many know-it-alls and so many wise people that have understanding beyond human ability to recognize all that's wrong with everybody else. And that's what we got. Well, that's all that's on the TV and the radio and everything. Talkers! And what are they doing? What do they do? What do the talkers do? They're just telling you what's wrong with everybody and whose fault it is. What is that? Accusers. Accuser of the brethren. <laughs> that's, that's the spirit of everything. What are they doing about it? Nothing. Nothing. The Congress has their hearings. That's supposed to be so scary. You got subpoenaed to a congressional hearing. Congress. They got to testify before Congress. Who did they ever put in jail? Who did they ever do anything to? It's all just a show. It's all just a bunch of mean-hearted, wicked people just cannibalizing everybody else. That's all it is. Eating each other up. Never doing nothing except just destruction. One of the seven things named that God hates is one who sows discord among brethren. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 19. <clears throat> judging others 
in the sense of thinking evil of them and condemning them is the main way that Satan is able to destroy churches, families, marriages, and nations. Did you hear me? How is it that a man and a woman stand at an altar and they're all swooning and they're, oh, they're just all smiles and everything, just, whoa, you know, we love, 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 and they vow to make those vows. And then two years later, they they're hate each other's guts and they're fighting over what little stuff they have and if they have any children, they're fighting over them too. And they wish each other was dead. How does that happen? Well, when, you, when you're just getting married and everything, oh, nobody can say anything about her. Nobody can say anything about him. You wouldn't believe anything bad about her. But that doesn't stay that way. No. Does it? No. How does it happen in a church where a church is in unity and one accord? What happened to the early church? They were in such unity and one accord that they prayed and the place was shaking where they were. To, I mean, they turned the world upside down. That's what the world said about them. They that have turned the world upside down. Now they're here. They could do that because they were of one mind and one accord. Well, what happened? Well, the devil. Enter Satan. Open the door and just let him come on in. But each person does that. (laughs) Get out of here, devil. You ain't welcome in here. He does it by accusing them of evil. And he's a liar. He is a liar. First and foremost, remember that. The devil is a liar. Get that in your mind. And remember that when he starts speaking to your mind. And say, get thee behind me, Satan. And not just like a chant. Recognize him. And resist him. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Isn't it? That's all there is to it. You can't outmaneuver him. Our weapons are our warfare, not carnal. I gotta quit. Gotta quit. Gotta quit. Don't be a sucker for his lies. Realize that everyone is different, and that's a good thing. God made every other part of our life with a lot of seasoning, didn't He? What if we just had one food? I was thinking about it today. What if we just had one food, like dog food, and that's all we had to eat? I mean, every time we ate, that's just just eat my dog food. I mean, my people food. What if life was like that? There wouldn't be so many roly-poly people, I'll tell you that for sure. No, God didn't make us to be satisfied with that. God fixed it so that, man, we do everything. We got all the spices and seasonings and everything, and, that, and boy, we really work on that. I mean, boy, if you got a marinade and you can do that and this on this meat, and then you, what do you think of that marinade, you know? And, and what do you think of that seasoning? And how do you like that? It's like a contest. Life's like that and everything. I mean, what if there was just one flower in the world and it was all the same? Just one flower. There's the flower. Just one flower. Would you be amazed with it? Would you enjoy it very much? You've heard the illustration about how you, you know, baking powders, yuck, if you eat it by the spoonful. I mean, flour, just dry flour, yuck. Buttermilk, I don't like buttermilk. It's ruined milk, don't you all know that? That's what it is. But if you take it and mix it all together and do it like this and put it in the oven for a few minutes, then you got biscuits and they taste real good. It's all the things mixed together that make the whole thing good. And that's what God does. He's put every member severally in the church. Just When God births a church, He puts those in there that will make it go and make it work. Amen. He does. I believe that. Yes, sir. I've seen it in my lifetime how it is. You know, churches that, that where the Spirit of God is working, you got everything you need. I mean, you don't have to go hire the world to do very much for you. Different church building projects and building that I've been around and involved in all through the years. The church didn't have to hire anybody hardly. They had everybody there, had, had what they needed, had the knowledge and skills they needed, and they did it. And I've seen some churches that didn't have nobody could do anything, not even mow the grass, and they just hired everybody else to do it, and they'd come sit in their pews and, you know... Have her service and go home. Dead or a hammer. 
God puts us together. And he puts the kind, everything together just like he needs. I've said it so many times, but you have a bunch of children, you got a bunch of different personalities and a whole bunch of different things to deal with. But what would it be like if they were all the same, just like little minions and they all did the same, acted the same, you know, liked the same things? And Would they get along? It sure wouldn't be no fun, would it? I mean, that's what makes life interesting is the, the variety. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> we're not all the same here. No, we're not. That's for sure. But that's a good thing. Yes, sir. If you don't let the devil... Right. Yeah. Now, the church is a body with many different members. Just like God made every other part of our life with a lot of different ingredients and seasonings and everything, God puts it together in His divine wisdom the way it needs to be put together. And we shouldn't act like children that only want sweets. Now, if you put a bunch of candy and stuff in the kitchen at mealtime or on the table and say, all right, kids, time to eat. Just eat what you want. What are they going to do? Eat candy. Exactly. They're going to cull everything that's good for them because it don't taste as good to them as this does. Now, the things you know, that are good for us are a lot of times are not the things we enjoy the most. Isn't that a fact? Some of the people that I did not like the most have been the ones who helped me the most in the long run in my life. That's just how it works. That first trip to Mexico we went on, by the time we got back to Arkansas and I could get off of that low-down crippled old bus. Well, we didn't even have it. It broke down in San Antonio. We come home without it. We had to hip, hitch and vans and pickups and I don't know what all, but old Brother Jones, <clears throat> I couldn't wait to get away from him. I didn't even tell him goodbye. I was so tired of him. You know, and everybody else was too. He was just an ornery, hard to get along with guy. <laughs> but you know, he, him and his, his life and everything had a big part in, in what were the direction I went with my life yeah. and a lot of things. I learned from him some things. Can you love somebody without liking them? Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> Didn't stay that way. I mean, I did same again and I went... Up until just a few years ago, I went to his church one time. He bought me two pairs of shoes. I guess he thought my shoes needed replacing. But anyway, <laughs> and he took me to his house. And even way back then, he had a computer. And he took me down there and set me down. And he said, now, Brother Miller, let me show you about preaching. <laughs> and he tried to teach me some things about preaching. And I just thought, you know. Thought, well, I don't need that. But he was right. I remember what he told me. I've learned from it, and I preach much more that way now than I did back then. Because I wasn't pastoring a church back then either, and he was. That makes a difference. When you're just traveling around church to church, you know, you don't preach the same as you do when you're pastoring a church. That's right. Oh. So we shouldn't act like children. And the sour and the bitter and the sweet and the salty, when we put together in order, make for a pleasant experience. Remember that. Gird up the loins of your mind and walk in truth and have charity to all men. And remember the attributes of true charity. Those four verses that describe what charity is. I mean, we, you need to really memorize those and, and remind yourself often of them. Check yourself to see if you're in the love of God or if you're walking in the selfishness of your own heart. 1 John 3.16 Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's how you know. If you love somebody, you'll lay down your life for them. Is that true? most certainly is. What if somebody was trying to harm, let alone kill, one of your children? What would you do? 
you'd, you would risk your life. You'd lay down your life. You, if you knew, I mean, if a tornado was coming, you would use your body to protect theirs. Yes, sir. If you love them. Jude 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, whose responsibility is it? Is this something God does for us? No. It's a, you keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. All right, I'll quit. How do you know you're a Christian? How do others know you're a Christian? Yes, and we love one another. That's how. Love puts up with anything and everything, don't it? Love endures all things. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Bow with me. Father, thank you for the blessings of this book. Thank you for the truth. And please bless the message to our hearts tonight. Help us, Lord, to be more careful. Help us to be more attentive to our own heart and mind and not let the devil wallow us around in this matter. Lord, help us to love one another, <clears throat> appreciate one another for what we are. And uh, Lord, bless our church and help us to be able to move forward and be a light in this place and in this dark time. Please go with everybody now and give us a safe trip to the house. I pray you watch over us through the week now. And bless everybody's lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. All right. Let's sing a little chorus and then we'll, uh, we'll dismiss. Let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God, loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. Yeah. Amen. All right. Remember these things. Let's do them. Amen. This man. <laughs>